what he wants to speak to our heart today. Amen. Hallelujah. Today we're going to take our scripture text from Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 9 verse 4. Ezekiel chapter 9 verse 4. Amen. You don't have to worry. Whatever you feel the Lord is doing, just let him do. But I'm going to preach as you worship. I'm going to preach as you praise. I'm going to preach as you give him the honor and the glory. Ezekiel chapter 9 verse 4. Verse 4 says, And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. The Lord told the prophet to make a mark on the foreheads of them that sigh and cry at all the abomination that is being done in the midst thereof. And today, I want to talk to you on this topic, the blessedness of brokenness. The blessedness of brokenness. The Lord our God, he's impressed with brokenness. And brokenness will always bring the attention of God. When we are broken before the Lord, he will always say, yes, yes, that's my child, that's my child. The kind of brokenness the scripture is referring to is not the brokenness of the long face, of a distressed look. But God is talking about a different kind of brokenness. He's talking about a brokenness because of people that will cry out and will sigh and say, Jesus, we want your will to be done. And so he's impressed with people that are broken before him. He wants people to be broken in his presence because when we're broken before God, that gets his attention. Before God judged back in Noah's day, before he judged the world back when Noah was the one that was preaching God's word, before he judged them, there were no crying and no sighing. Everybody was just having a good time. Everybody was partying and doing whatsoever they felt was right in their own eyes. And so they were celebrating. They were enjoying themselves and doing what they pleased before God judged them. And all of a sudden, that raindrop, first raindrop come and hit them. And they said, oh my God, what was that? And then the second raindrop came and hit them. And they start to realize the preacher was preaching that one day it was going to flood. That one day God was going to destroy the world with the flood. And they realize what the preacher was preaching is getting ready to come to pass. And they were broken when the rain began to fail. But I want to tell you this morning, it was too late. When they got broken, it was too late. And God is asking and reaching for people that will be broken at the preaching of the word of God. And not when it's too late. So many of us are crying out when it's too late. When the destruction has already come. When you are in a place that you can't be reached. When it's too late. God is looking for people that will be broken before him, uh, be broken uh, at what's going on in the world today. The blessedness of brokenness, eating, drinking, having a good time, not worrying about the things of God. We're just doing whatsoever we want. And how it was back in Noah's days is pretty similar to how it is today. God puts a high premium on men and women who will sigh and will cry. For they are who will experience the blessings of brokenness. 
God is seeking for people who he can deposit his burden into. God is looking for broken people today. Nobody is broken before the Lord anymore. Only when things go wrong for you will you be broken. Only when things all around you are falling down will you begin to be broken. And that's not the kind of brokenness God is looking for. God wants to set some people, wants to set his mark on some people who will sigh and who will cry, who will be broken over the condition of our world. Not broken because you have a problem. Not broken because you're struggling. He wants you to be broken because of the condition of our world. You need to look around and look at the conditions and say, God, what is happening? How can I be of help? How can I be a problem solver and not part of the problem? We need to be broken. Because of the condition of our world, people are living in this world like there is no God. People are living in this world being self-centered. People are living in this world to just worry about themselves. Only what benefits them would they care about. No love. No mercy. And we're unforgiving. No, we're just living how we want. And God is saying, I'm looking for people that will care about the conditions of this world that I created. I'm not talking about the physical conditions. He's talking about the condition of mankind. How man is living. How man is living without God. He's worrying about the condition of our world today. Brokenness attracts God's presence. Arrogance and pride repel God's. When we're arrogant and prideful, we push God away. But when we're brokenness, God is drawn towards us. But he give it more grace. James chapter 4 verse 6 says, but he give it more grace. Wherefore he said, God resisted the proud. But giveth grace unto the humble. People who live their life like there is no God are prideful people. You live like God doesn't exist. You are prideful. And God resists the proud heart. Because God is asking the question, how do you think you got here? Did you think you got here all by yourself? Did you think it was you that caused yourself to have life? How can you live life like I don't exist? You're prideful. You're prideful when you walk around thinking it's because of you why you're living. You're prideful when you walk around thinking it's you why you are accomplishing the things you're accomplishing. And God is saying, how do you think you got here? How do you think you get the mind you have? How do you think you can accomplish this without me? I created you in the womb. I formed you and I knew you before you was in your mother's womb. How can you accomplish anything without me? Yet you walk around and live life self-centered, doing what you want, like I didn't bring you here. That, 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 that's, that, that's, that's what God is looking for. And he's looking for people that will take on that burden, that will sigh, that will cry, and look out and say, why are people living like this? Why they're living like, oh, they don't know God. We got to be careful. All of you here this morning are good people. And I'm probably not talking to most of you here this morning. But we got to be careful that we, oh, help me, Holy Ghost, that we don't live our life looking at the conditions of the world and begin to desire some of the things that we see in the world. We, we got to be careful that we don't live our life instead of 
despising sin, and I'm not talking about people, despising the wrong that we're doing. We better live our life despising it and, and wanting to see God work in the midst as opposed to drawing closer and closer to it because you feel like you're outnumbered. Come on, church. Don't you feel like you're outnumbered when you live in this world and the conditions of this world? Don't you think you're outnumbered and think that you better off joining what is going on out in the world? You need to stand up and sigh and cry and say, God, I know I'm in the minority, but I'm not wrong. They need to know you exist and that you love them. That's people that will sigh and cry out to God and say, God, touch our world. Not people that become comfortable with what's going on around them and allow some of the things to become things you desire. Psalms 34 and 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and save it such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord deliver him out of them all. A broken and contrite heart, God does not despise. In fact, a broken and contrite heart and spirit will count our court the favor of God. When you, you want God's favor, we like to say, oh, you know, God's favor is upon me. You want God's favor, you live a broken life. And again, I will restate, I don't mean walking around looking distressed. I don't mean walking around looking like, oh, it's me. I don't mean walking around saying, oh, I'm going through. I don't mean walking around looking like the world is falling apart in your life. I don't mean that. I mean when you get in your closet, when you get on your knees, when you come to church and you begin to go before the Lord. You go before him and begin to cry and sigh. Oh God will you help us? Oh God we have sinned against you and will you intervene and deliver us? A people that will cry and sigh. Oh, God is looking for a people that will join with him in trying to rectify the conditions of this world. If you want God's present, if you want God's favor, let God see a broken spirit and contrite heart. He said it means more to him than burnt offerings. God is not into your burnt offering. Here comes your offering. No, God is saying, no, no, no. Will you begin to sigh and to cry over the conditions of my world, over the conditions of my people? That's what I want you to cry and sigh about. Mm. Mm. Some of us, we come to church and we sit in the chairs we sing the songs, read the scriptures, maybe even mutter a prayer or two instead of allowing God's word to break us as it's being preached. When Noah was preaching, flood is coming. It's going to rain. It's going to rain. He was preaching God's word. When a man of God or woman of God stand before you and they begin to preach God's word, it needs to break us. We talked about in Sunday school class that the word of God, oh, the word of God is the authority that we should live by. And when God's word is spoken, when God's word has already been established, we need to look at it and say it is already done. And whatsoever God's word says, that's what will happen. We can't allow anything to distract us from the word of God. By the way, we had a great Sunday school class. I appreciate everybody's participation, all of your input. That's what it's all about. You get together, study the word of God. All of us discuss. All of us have input. We had a great Sunday school class. Thanks for everybody that participated this morning. But God is looking for people that will not come to church and be distracted. Not a people that will come and just go through the motion. Instead of allowing God's word to break us, we're preoccupied. As we talked about this morning, texting, checking apps on our phone, giving way to wandering mind, which will eventually affect our hearts. Then we say, let's stand. And you reach for the keys. Time to go. 
You know, I always say it's not good to waste our time. I, I, I rather you come. Who, who did I mess with one time? Pascal. I, I won't tell the whole story, but she was we were talking about priority and she was saying some things. And I says to her, well, why are you doing this? If that's not part of your priority, because you list your priorities, but you didn't list this. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I meant that. I said, yeah, but we got to make sure we list our priorities, put our priorities in order, because your priorities will dictate how you live your life. Everybody needs to get their get their priority in order, because if you have it in order, then your life will be in order. But if you don't set any priorities, then your life will be out of order. What is your priority? Matthew 6.33 says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All the things that you seek after, because the Bible then says, after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And what the Bible is really saying in essence is people that are in the world are seeking this, and they're seeking that, and they're seeking that. And God is saying, you don't have to seek it. If you seek my kingdom, I will see to it that everything you need, you will have. That's why he says, seek my kingdom first. And so we set our priorities in order and seek God's kingdom first. Then we will have the things. We won't have to chase. We're chasing things that God is saying. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me chasing that? Just just seek me. Seek my kingdom. And I'll just drop it right in your lap. And you'll be like, how did this get here? Because you seek me and I got everything under my control. I can drop it in your lap whenever I want. But why don't he drop it in your lap? Because he don't want you to get wrapped up in things that will distract you from seeking him first. And we've already proved that things and circumstances can cause us to make, can cause us to be distracted from making God first. And so a lot of times we wonder why we don't have this and why we don't have that. And if God can just speak clearly to your ear, he would say, because those things will Take your mind and your heart off me. But when you can prove to me that I matter to you more than anything else, then I'll begin to drop those things in your lap. Because when I drop those things in your lap, they will never overtake you. They will never get the best of you. Solomon was taught by his daddy very well to love the Lord. His daddy was the greatest worshiper as we read in the Bible. And so as long as Solomon followed that way of living Solomon was fine but after a while Solomon allowed what he liked the pleasures of life to become first in his life and no longer was the maker and creator the very main center thing in his life and because of that Solomon's heart was turned and he began to idolize idols he began to chase after women and that corrupted him And God is wanting to trust us with some things. God don't want to keep. The Bible says he don't want to withhold any good thing from you. Did you know that? God don't want to withhold any good thing from you. He wants to take good care of you. But the process is this. I need to be able to trust you first. I don't know how many of you give your children $20 to take to school when they was five. Anybody? Anybody? 20 bucks. Here you go, son. Here you go, daughter. When it was five years old, here's $20. I don't think we did that. Why? We didn't trust them with $20. They didn't know what $20 was. They didn't know how to handle $20. Well, why do you think God is going to give you all the things that you desire and you haven't proven you can handle it? He calls us children. And so we're children to him. When we prove what we can handle, then he'll begin to release the things that we desire and the things that he wants us to have. God will not withhold any good thing from you. I want God's presence to be upon me because I want God's favor. That's what you should be telling God. God, I want your favor, so I need your presence upon me. Because wherever the presence of the Lord is, the power of God will accompany the presence of God. God, wherever he's being made known at, there will be demonstration. He said what? Signs and wonders shall follow them that believe. And if God's presence is with me because I believe and I've seeked him first, then wherever I am, the presence of God, the, the power of God must be manifested. Manifested. Ah, you experienced it this morning. 
You think it, you think it was coincident? You, you, you think this was some kind of feeling or emotion? Whether you worship or you didn't, you can't deny there's a presence of God in this place. Whether I lift my hand, whether I stood, or I just sat my chair and just talked to the Lord, you knew there was a presence that is not of this world. It was the presence of the Almighty God. Because when we empty ourselves and when we're broken and when we're contrite, then we can experience God's presence. Too much of stuff is in us and is messing us up, is blocking us from getting into the presence of God. That's why we said this morning, boy, it's not good to sleep with your cell phone. Yeah, we talked about that in Sunday school. You better put your cell phone as far as you can get in the room. However size your room is, you put your cell phone on the opposite side of the room. If it's emergency at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, Sister Sylvia will tell you, the phone will just keep on ringing and keep on ringing and keep on ringing. Sooner or later, you'll get up and say, it must be important. Let me go get it. You don't have to worry about putting it close to you because when it's close to you, you're just going to look at it automatically. Uh-huh. Every time you hear a little beep. Sometimes you hear nothing. You just want to check. Because we're in a place where we, we just, I don't know what, I got to check what that is. I'm going to watch people and I'll t- come back with the, the, the number and tell you to see every how many minutes we got to look at it. When I was coming back from Washington, D.C. this Friday, we was in a bus. And so the good news about being in a bus, everything is low. So you can look down. And I watched everybody. I don't even have my phone. I watched everybody driving. When that sign say put your phone down, it's really legit. Because all of us. You notice, you notice not everybody swerve? I'm just saying, you got to be kidding me. I'm just watching. Everybody drive outside the line and come back in. God is looking for people that will just get rid of this stuff. Listen, we lived and we did well. Right, Mama Allen, without cell phones? We, we did all right without cell phones, didn't we? Yes. And so we will be fine just to put it down for a little bit. We'll be fine to do without it. I'm not telling you anything other than just saying your cell phone will keep you from being broken. Because all the things that are going on, that you, the texts, the Facebook, everything that's going on, uh, uh, advertisement that pops up, it draws you in and gets your mind in places. We don't realize that all it's doing is getting our mind in places. Everybody's selling something or everybody's trying to get you to buy into them. And so everything that we're looking at is about something that's trying to get your attention. And so as long as your attention is on stuff, you will not be broken. Can't be broken because you're not into the things of God. There is a blessedness in brokenness. Let, let's take a little closer look at what God is talking about when he says we need to be broken. Let's look at the word contriteness. Contriteness means to be crushed. When one have a contrite spirit, it means it needs to be crushed. I must decrease so God can increase. And the more you decrease, the more God will increase. So contriteness means to be crushed. Brokenness means to burst. And is linked to the concept of bringing to birth. Let's put it together. So when we look at brokenness and contriteness, we are looking at God crushing our spirit so his spirit can dominate so we can bring forth, we can give birth to something. You can't give birth to anything huh, when you're dominating. Natural. Woman, those of you that have been pregnant, who dominates when you get pregnant? Yeah, you can try to say you all you want. Did that baby make you short of breath? you short of breath. Some of you got to eat dirt. Some of you got to eat a whole lot of ice. I mean, all kind of stuff go on. The baby is in control. Your spirit is not the dominant spirit. It's everything the baby does. Here you come. 
Oh, I'm tired. Ooh, can barely get up these steps. Why? Because the baby is in you. So you have decreased so the baby can have its way in you. And so it is the spirit. If you are the one that's in charge, you can never bring forth anything. If you are the one that's ordering your steps, you can never bring forth anything. If you're the one that dominates everything about your life, you can never give birth to anything. If you do, it won't profit you anything. What Solomon says, all is vanity. As much as we want to think there are things that are important, all is vanity. I don't know if it means I'm getting older or it's just the times that we're living in. But I've been to a lot of funerals. Past three years, a lot of funerals. A lot of funerals. I don't know if I'm getting older so, you know, people that I know are older and so they're dying. I, I don't know what that is. And I don't know if it's just, it's just time where people are dying. But I've been to a lot of funerals. And all we know is we go to funeral, we see the body in the casket dressed, no life. They don't know what's going on. They're gone. They have nothing. They don't even know what kind of what, what kind of clothes is on their back. Oh, we got to make sure that he looks sharp. Put on a nice suit on him. He don't know that. We got to make sure we put on her pretty dress that she likes. She don't know that. So it's clear that when we leave here, we leave everything behind. We got to get smart. We got to really get tuned into God because there's something. Why is it that when we're gone, nobody knows what happened when we die. Why is it that when we're gone, we can clearly see none of this made any difference. Now we're dead and it makes us no difference in us. No matter what you accomplished. There's only one thing you can do that will live on when you're gone. Not even money. Don't even go there. Because if you, if, 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 if you were given a few million dollars, first thing is, because you didn't earn it, you don't understand how to spend it. You know how I many people get inheritance and it's gone before you know it? Or they inherit um, their, their, their family's business and it, they run it down? Because they didn't know I got there. They just came into it. So there's nothing you can leave behind when you die that will last and will be productive. Except you put Jesus in people. That's the only thing. But somehow we know that, but we don't do it. Somehow we know the most beneficial thing we can ever possess and give is Jesus. But we don't do it. And now we go to the funeral and we look down in the casket. That's it. That's all she wrote. Whatever you accomplished doesn't mean anything anymore. Because if it's a business, somebody's running it. If it's money, somebody's spending it. If it's house, it's being sold. Whatever it is, it's all gone now. So nothing you accomplished means anything. Everything is gone. So why do we let them get the best of us before God? While we're living, why they get the best of us while we're living instead of God? Why? It's a good question to go home and ask yourself. Why am I letting the things around me? Why am I letting them come before God? Why am I letting them get more space in my life than God? And we all don't die old. We all don't die old. Man, I'm reading all kind of people dying. We all don't die old. People die at different ages. Young, middle age, old, doesn't matter. We can't look at age and say, well, I got some time here. No, we don't have the time. So we got to look at it and say, what am I doing? When, I go to the, when, when people come to your funeral, what are they going to say? What, what, what would they be able to say? We walk away just with memories. And we know after a while, memories, they fade. When you first die, people remember you a whole lot that, whole, that first week. Next week, they remember you a little bit more. And so on and so on. But after a while, you start getting remembered once a month, 
You start getting remembered once every three months. Then, then they only remember you on the anniversary date. Yeah, she died this time last year. I'm just telling you, so even memories, they fade. Everything that we can ever get or accomplish, it means nothing when we die. This is why Jesus is to be worshipped. There's so many reasons to worship him, but he has the power to death. And he knows what happened in death. He's the only one that knows what happened in death. I want to be cool with him. You know, be cool with somebody because they have something. I heard, um, I don't know if you heard this. My wife was telling me that um, the Powerball the other day, that was just one. That we, we might know the people that won. Some of you, yeah. So we might know the people that won. Mm-hmm. I heard that. I started laughing. <laughs> I started laughing. I said, man, so many people are going to be trying to reach out and be cool with those people. The power, how much was it? 400 million? Four, 426? Everybody want to be friends with those people. They live in Trenton. You know how Trenton people are. Everybody know everybody in Trenton. Somehow you connected if you lived in Trenton. Everybody going to be saying, Daryl. She says she's going to tie 10% to her church? Wow. Daryl got the, um, she what? She, she the pastor? Okay, the pastor won the Powerball. <laughs> okay, I didn't know that. Y'all, y'all had more information than me. <laughs> All right, pastor. All right. Okay. I, I'm going to try to be a good preacher. I, 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 I try to be a good preacher. Amen. I've learned, and I don't want... Um, all right, so we, we carry on. Okay. I don't know what I stepped in right there. When we're broken and of a contrite spirit, it gives room for us to birth something. God wants you to give birth to something, but it can't be temporary fleshly thing it can't be anything that 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 listen anything comes from god the things that come from god is indestructible Mm, got your attention we're the only ones that came from god you didn't know that i mean everything else came from the dirt the dirt i know what you're saying we came from dirt too yeah this house is dirt this body flesh and blood but inside of your body is really who you are. You can't see who you are. But 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 your soul you can't see. And so the bottom line is this dirt that we're in is a house that the, the soul is in. And the soul come from God. Which means the soul live on forever. Because it came from God. Nothing that comes from God is dying. Everything that's dying is not from God. We're the only ones. We're never dying. Our flesh die. We're never dying. When Jesus' flesh died, his spirit moved still. When we die, our flesh might go on the ground, but our soul still moves. All right, chew on that. And so God's desire is for us to have a broken and contrite heart and spirit so we can bring forth something into existence. We can birth something. It's the birthing process that God wants to do. We got to have children. Just like we said last week, the church has to have children. Today is Pentecost Sunday within the church world. Those that um, stay close to their Bible, today is Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday is 50 days from the resurrection. 50 days from the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's when the Lord, he prophesied in Joel 2, verse 28, that in the last days, he will pour out of his spirit upon all flesh. And in the book of Acts, he poured out his spirit upon all flesh. Now, you know what's scary about that? In Joel, he says, in the last days. When he poured out his spirit in the book of Acts, 
50 days after the resurrection? That's over 2,000 years ago, and he's been calling it the last days. So when Noah preached, he preached for 120 years. Preacher's been preaching for over 2,000 years right now, but God is calling it the last days. We're in the last days. And when the preacher preached about the last days, it should break us. It should cause us to say, my God, help us, Lord, before we perish. So here's the example of how broken and contriteness work. I'll give you a couple of examples. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36. We'll close in a second here. Won't keep you long. Acts chapter 2, verse 36 says this. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked. In their heart. The word of God broke them. The word of God needs to break us. We take the word of God lightly. And the word of God must break us. When we read the word of God, sometimes it need to, you need to stop writing your track and get on your knees and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for what I've done because your word says differently. The word of God needs to break us. It can't just be a word. It can't just be head knowledge. It can't just be a thing that we have acquired and now we can go around and talk about it. I don't want to just talk about the word of God. I want to live the word of God. I want to be broken by the word of God so I can get God's favor in my life. Can we stop talking about the word of God? I'm not impressed by anybody talking about the word of God. For the devil knows the word better than us. He knows the word better than us. Satan knows the word. And so it's not impressive to talk about the word. It's impressive to obey the word. That's what's impressive. To obey the word. Too many of us know the word. It's to the point now where we use the word to state who we are. I know about this because I knock on people's door. And again, I appreciate all the people that came and knock on doors with us yesterday. Brother Barry, Brother Tom, Sister Scarlett, Josiah, and Jordan. (laughs) Appreciate y'all. Thank you for coming. I believe that we did some damage in that area and we're going back. Uh, I think the next time we go is June 18th. But the word of God must be obeyed, not just have head knowledge. What people use the word of God sometimes to do when I knock on their doors, oh, God is good. You knock on their door, they come to right the door. First thing they say, God is good. Boy, if it wasn't for the Lord, I don't know where would I be. You know what they're telling you? You don't need to talk to me. Go talk to somebody else. And if I park up in front of their house this morning, they never came out. Never went nowhere. They just know the word. And so just knowing the word, that's not what God wants. The word of God must break you. When Noah preached and he preached, the word of God never broke anybody. They just kept on doing what they wanted to do. And I'm telling you today that God is trying to tell us something that in this day that we're living in, the word of God cannot just be head knowledge. It can't just be braggadocious knowledge. It got to be a word that we obey. It has to be the word we obeyed because that's the way it's going to work in our life. The word of God don't work because you know it. The word of God work because you obey it. And too often we look to God like he's not doing what he's supposed to do. Man, God, I thought you would. Man, God, we're Luke. Luke, always remember this. It's when we obey God that we get the response. It's not when we think it. It's not when we read it. It's not when we hear it. It's when we obey it, Luke, when we get the response. Don't you let anything get you frustrated and down about God because you just knew the word. It just stayed in your mind. Lord, you said you will supply all of our needs according to 
your riches in glory. And so we hold on to that. And you know, I have need, God. I'm hoping that the check come in the mail. I'm hoping that you provide this, you know, this blessing for me. I'm struggling financially. You said you would supply all of our needs. But you never gave tithes. You never gave offering. And you never seek the kingdom of God first. And so now God not producing and you're saying, I don't know what's going on. I prayed. I said, God, I need a blessing. God, I need for you to provide my need. And he doesn't do it. And now you're frustrated. You almost want to get mad at God because he's not keeping his word. But we forget it's not knowing the word. It's obeying the word. And when we obey the word of God, it will take legs and it will begin to work in our life. And so when they heard that they were supporting the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, when they were told that, they were pricked in their heart. Brokenness took place. They were pricked in their heart. Brokenness take place. When you hear something, do you get broken? When you hear the word of God, do you get broken? Yesterday, in our men's session, there was some truth being spoken. And I've been around long enough to know when truth gets spoken, sometimes all you can do is just be quiet. That's how truth works. It's nothing to say. When you read this thing and it reveals to you what truth is, all you can do is be quiet. Or you can just get down on your knees and start asking God to help you because you realize the errors of your ways. That's how we need to live. This is why the altar is important. This is why when we praise and worship God this morning, it was fantastic to just watch some people worship and praise the Lord because that's how you allow God to work in your life. That's brokenness. Nobody can get up and worship God unless there's some kind of brokenness that's happening. We need God to break us. Somebody need to say, break me, Lord. It's not a bad thing to be broken. And you don't have to worry about the long face, the distressed look. That's not how he means when he says that. As a matter of fact, he's just talking about someone that will moan and groan in prayer. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about you walking around looking like you're lost and looking like, oh, woe is me. God didn't create us to look like, oh, we're struggling. God says we're more than conquerors. And God wants to walk around with our shoulders squared and with our heads up because we're his children. He didn't create us to walk around looking like hands in a pocket, heads down, and can't look somebody in the eye. That's not how God made us. And so being broken don't mean, oh, I can't even look at you in the eye. Being broken don't mean I can't even, you know, look look you straight up and talk to you with, with confidence. That's not what being broken is all about. Being broken is when I go before the Lord, I'm crying out to him. I'm moaning and groaning and says, God, the conditions of our world is got an all-time bad state. God, I want to be used to help, to do something, to help to reach the loss, to help, Lord God, with your plan. That's what I want to do. I want God to be used of you. I want to be a part of the solution that you have. That's brokenness. That's how God wants us to live. He wants us to live as a part of his solution. He wants us to live as part of the answer that he has for the church and have for the world. There's a solution. God has given us the solution and we will be broken. We don't have the solution because we're not broken. And when they realize that they supported the crucifixion, of the Lord Jesus Christ, almighty God in the flesh. They said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? When you get broken, that's what you say to God. What shall I do? When you're broken, what shall I do? When you're broken, what shall I do? Because when you are broken, your spirit no longer dominates. The Holy Spirit dominates. When you're broken, your ideas is not what's now important, but it's God's ideas. 
But because we're not broken, it's still our ideas, it's still our thinking, and it's still our ways. And God is saying, uh, you need to be broken, uh, because if you're not broken, you're no good to me. You can't produce. You can't produce if you're not broken. We want to produce. We want to call ourselves the people of God. But we are not broken. I want to be broken. I don't know about you, but I want to be broken. I want God oh, to be all over me. I want his favor because when you're broken, you experience the favor of God. On the day of Pentecost, they were in the upper room praying. The Bible says the Holy Ghost filled the room filled the room. Says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. A sound from heaven. <laughs> a sound from heaven. Oh, there's something about brokenness. There must be a sound when there's brokenness. Uh, when there's brokenness, there's going to be a sound, whether it's the sound of sighing and crying and moaning and groaning. But there must be a sound when there's brokenness going on. Oh, God, I praise you. Oh, hallelujah. You got to do something. When you are being crushed, when you're being broken, there is a sound that comes forth. Brokenness don't happen when you're quiet. I'll tell you why. Sound came from heaven where they were sitting, and it appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. Sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues. All of us, if we have the Holy Ghost, there was a point there of brokenness, and there were sound coming from us before God filled us with His Spirit. We were broken. We were broken. We had emptied ourselves. And the Spirit of God is what came in us and elevated us. And it became nothing about us, everything about him. And it gave birth, gave birth. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with tongues. Just Tongues just mean another language. Sometimes we get all worried about tongues. It just means another language. And so when you have the Holy Ghost, you, you will speak another language. It doesn't matter. God will use you. Here's the reason for the blessings of brokenness. When you get broken, now you put yourself in position to be revived. We've been hearing people talking about revival, revival, revival. When your spirit dominate, you the walking dead. Isn't there a movie that's on TV, a show called The Walking Dead? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They, they got it right. Because as long as you and your spirit is running, you're the walking dead. Until God's spirit begins to dominate your life, you are not revived. If you want revival to take place in your life, you've got to be broken. And when you get broken, then now revival will begin to take place in your life. We've got to be broken. And when we're broken, then God begin to revive our soul. Brokenness produce revival. Brokenness produce revival in you. Then it will happen in your church. Then it can happen in your family. Then it can happen in your community. When we don't experience revival, don't have anything to do with God. A lot of times we think, God, where are you? Why aren't you working? And God is saying, are you kidding me? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What does that mean? It means if you will become broken and allow God to put a spirit in you, then you have authority. You have power in you, I should say. You have power in you to do some things. That need to be done, not because you're powerful, but because who is in you is powerful. What Vesta Mangan said, let him out. 
Oh, God, you got to hear this woman preach. She's talking about we got to let God out. If he's in you, just let him out. The problem is God is in us. And we say, no, you can't get out. God, stay right in there. Don't do nothing. You don't want people to know you're holy. You don't want people to know you're righteous. You don't want people to know you are a holy person, a person that prays, a person that regard, that, that, that worship God. We want to keep him in. When are we going to let him out? We'll let him out when we become broken. Let God out. Let him do what he's going to do. He can do great things in our life, but we won't let him out. Brokenness is the key to being revived. Everyone will be revived when you become revived. This is why I said the only thing you can ever leave back as a legacy that, was, that will outlive you is when you give God, when you give people God, when you become revived and you allow that revival to take place in you and in your family, in your church, in your community, you leave that legacy behind. Now, Tom, um, you're a smart guy and, you know, education is great and I support education. All of us need to make sure we be educated, you know. Um, so I, I understand that education is a legacy. Brother Wood, you another educated guy and Sister Wood, you, you, education is something we need to push and that's right. But even when you die, education don't get you to heaven. <laughs> I, I support it. And we need to keep going because we need to be educated. But even education, you can be the smartest person in the room, smartest person in the world, don't get you to heaven. Don't get you to heaven. And, of course, um, you smart people that I talked about, you knew that. And that's why you're here. So <laughs> you knew that because because if that was true, you all are educated enough to say, I don't need church if education got you to heaven. Right. I think so. <laughs> so, you know, education don't get you to heaven. And that's why you make sure you give God the praise and the glory. And here I am. I'm finishing up. When we become broken, God deposit his burden in us. You will not be able to get the burden of God deposited in your life until you become broken all right i'll help you out what the bible says when god fills you with the holy ghost you will become my witnesses in jerusalem and judea and samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth when you become filled with the spirit god said i will make you my witnesses you get broken, God fill you, and now you give birth to something. You follow what I'm saying now? When you allow your spirit to be crushed, and you allow your heart to be broken, and God revived you by giving you his spirit, and because you have God's spirit in you, if you obey his word, you will begin to give birth. You'll begin to give birth. How do you give birth? I don't need to get into that. You should know. We said the church is the mother of all Christians. And so to become born again, it's through the church that you become born again. You get you repent of your sins. You get baptized in Jesus' name, right? God fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and now you're born again. Um, when you become born again, you need to be nurtured and raised up in the Word of God. And that's how you become a child of God. We, the church is the one that gives the birth. And you are a part of the church. So when you become born again, you are a part of the church. So guess what? You give birth. I'm finishing up right now. When you become broken, God will give you his burden. He will deposit his burden in you. A burden will never go unnoticed. I missed it. See, I missed it. When God gives you a burden, it will never go unnoticed. Let me put my son on blast. Everybody that have come in contact with my oldest son know he is an aspiring actor. That's the burden that's driving him right now. So that's my example of when you have a burden. Now, that's a burden that's not from God. You're going to probably argue and say it is from God. If it was from God, he would have been an actor big time already. But the bottom line is, when you feel like you have a burden, everybody notice it. He's so burdened with his burden, he, you see it in his dress. 
in his attire. I felt his pants this morning. I said, son, you don't think the seams going to come out of that? That's my son. It's my oldest son. Love him to death, so I'm cracking on him. Love my son. That's my firstborn. You kidding me? But I'm just giving you an idea that when you have a burden, that's man's burden, that everybody will notice it. And if everybody's noticing his burden for what he wants to do, can you imagine you get a God-given burden? I think that's a missing factor in all of our Christian walk. What's your God-given burden? And if you don't have one, maybe you aren't broken. Because when you become broken, you receive a burden. You can't help yourself. Even when you don't feel like it. Told you, I didn't feel like it last Sunday. Or the Sunday after last, I think it was. And I said, God, I got to do this for the rest of my life. What's your alternative, Wayne? And I just shut my mouth and keep going. Because it's a burden. He has deposited his burden in me and I can't help myself. No matter what's going on, I can't help myself. That's what a burden does. And somebody will know it. Here is what I'm closing with. Brokenness will only come when one's cry originate from deep need and acknowledgement of dependent on Jesus. I'll read it again. Brokenness. Y'all did it this morning. God showed me the sermon this morning. Y'all did it. Oh, that's why you had to call me. Usually I just said, oh, yeah, the spirit is in the right place. Let me go and preach. But God told him to tell me, let's go. You know why? I was in awe of the sermon living out. I'll read it again. Brokenness will only come when one's cry originates from deep need and acknowledgement of dependency on God. And what we sang this morning and how it moved on us, we said, yes, Lord, I'm depending on you. Yes, Lord, I can't do anything without you. Yes, Lord, I will praise you. Yes, Lord, I will honor you because what, what we say, we, this is the air that I breathe. This is my daily bread. And we just kept talking about God. Listen, I haven't done a whole lot of work with the praise singers, but I'll put them on blast too. When we are a church of people that the songs we sing is about giving him the praise and giving him the glory and letting him know how much we depend on him, he will show up every time. He don't have a choice. He can't say, well, not right now. His presence got to come down upon us when we give him the praise, when we lift him on high, when he is the one that we originate that moaning and groaning of dependence oh God I am dependent upon you Jesus I know sometimes your flesh your mind your intellect tempt you to depend on you but I want to tell you this morning don't depend on you you got to depend on Jesus listen God has equipped all of us to figure out how to live you can use your intellect, use your strength if he keeps you strengthened and healthy. You can use all of that to live a life that you can take care of yourself. All of us are tempted to do that. Or you can have all that knowledge, Brother Wood. You can be a smart guy, smart woman. Have the resources that you need to do what you have to. You can do that because God has equipped you to do that. But here we go. When you become broken, you don't do that. As smart as I am, God, as, 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 as accomplished as I am, God, I'm totally dependent upon you. I'm totally dependent upon you. And that's going to be your secret recipe for getting through and getting where God wants to take you. When you can restrain yourself. And let God increase in your life. When you can just say, God, crush me. Crush my spirit. Crush it. Crush it. Break my heart. And now fill me with your spirit. Now, God, do what you want to do in me. That's when we will begin to see God's favor. And guess what? You will do less work than you do now. Will you stand?
we put a lot of time in working hard to accomplish things. And God is saying, if you will seek me first, I will see to it that you won't have to do all that work you're doing to accomplish what you want to accomplish. Brokenness will only come when one cries originates from a deep need and acknowledgement of dependence on Jesus. Crying and sighing out for selfish reason will not cause brokenness. Did you, did you hear me? Crying and sighing out because of selfishness, selfish reasons will not cause brokenness. Sometimes we begin to say, oh God, but you know why you're saying that? Because you're in a tight spot. People, listen to me, a lot of people become bitter and even back up on God because of this. They cry out to God and they sigh unto God for their own selfish reason. And then God don't respond and we kind of slow down reading our Bible, slow down praying, slow down going to church. Because we become discouraged because we felt like we cried out to God and he didn't respond. God already said, God already said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. We're doing it backwards. We're seeking what we want. And then when things don't work, we say, God, help me out right here. When the right way is, I'm not going to worry about that right now. I'm not going to worry about that right now. Let me seek God first. And when, me, when I seek God, he will begin to direct me. Huh. You might need a job. And when you seek God first, he will allow you to run into the CEO of a company just because you were seeking him first. And all of a sudden, you, 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 don't, you find yourself talking to a CEO. You don't know it yet. And you're talking, yeah, you know, and you're just talking to the CEO. And all of a sudden, you get into the whole you know, you seem like a pretty good guy. How about um, you come and fill out an application at my company. You'll be good at blah, blah, blah. And before you know it, you go and fill out the application. And you find out this guy you were just kicking it with, CEO, you got a job. All because you seek God first and God puts you in the room where you need to be. It's just that simple. Because you seeked him first. But oftentimes, we put all the energy in trying to do it, doing what we need to do. And it doesn't work that way, and we get frustrated with God. The blessedness of brokenness. When we become broken, we will experience blessings, abundance of it. Crying and sighing out of bitterness will not cause brokenness. There are people that are bitter about things. And they start to sigh and cry out to God. And God says, I can't accept that. It's bitterness in your crying out. There's bitterness in your sighing. Got to get that out of you for me to respond. Crying and sighing out of anger will not cause brokenness. Crying and sighing causes brokenness only when we're crying and sighing. For his will to be done. I know it's not normal. It doesn't make sense that I go after the will of God and God blesses me to think for the things that I need. I know it doesn't make sense. But I'm telling you, it's God's way. When you become broken and your life become about the things of God and not about your personal agenda, then you will begin to experience blessings, the favor of God. Will you bow your heads? Will you one more time lay yourself upon God's altar? Present your body a living sacrifice and just ask God one more time to break you. To cause a broken spirit, a contrite brokenness to take place within you. <laughs> Oh, you'll see it in Somebody, your flesh 
you're having trouble with your flesh. You're having trouble keeping your flesh in control. And God says, because your spirit is dominating. Because your spirit is the thing that controls your life. You need to be broken. Your spirit needs to be broken. Your heart needs to be broken. When you allow your spirit to be crushed. And my spirit raises up in you. When you allow your heart to be broken. Because of the condition or conditions of this world. Then you will begin to experience the blessings of brokenness. There is great blessings for brokenness. Oh, somebody, why don't you allow God to break you right now? Why don't you surrender to God right now? Say, God, break me. Break me, Lord. Break me, Lord. Break me, Lord. I want to leave this place today broken. I want to leave this place broken, God. I don't want to leave with my spirit dominating. I don't want to leave with my own agenda. I don't want to leave, Almighty God, just still having the controls in my life. But I want to turn the controls over to you today. (laughs) When I'm broken, God, I won't say whatever I want to say. When I'm broken, God, I won't go any place I want to go. When I'm broken, God, I will not do just what I want. But I will wait upon you and I will ask for your direction. Oh, God, will you break me today? Will you break me? Will you break me? Will you break me? Break us as a people that no longer will flesh dominate. No longer will what I want be the dominant thing in my life. Oh, hallelujah. Let God break you. Let God break you. Let God break you. Let God break you. (laughs) Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Not my will, but thine will be done. Not my will, but thine will be done. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray for every person, every individual in this place today, Lord God. That God, you will honor their request of of brokenness. That God, when we look upon our world, God, we will look and become broken. We will become broken because we see our world going astray. We see the conditions of our world and it calls us to get on our knees and it calls us for God to cry out and desire to say, God, I see the conditions. I want to be a solution. I want to be an answer. I don't want to be, oh God, a part of the problem. Somebody, somebody, somebody. Let the Lord have his way and break you today. Don't leave today without brokenness taking place in you. Don't leave this place today without brokenness taking place. Oh, tell him to take your heart. Oh, yes, tell him, tell him, tell him. Take my mind and transform it. Take my will, oh God, and conform it. Conform it to your will, God. To your will, to your will, God. To your will. 